this morning I just want to talk about identity, and I want to get straight into it because we're going to cover a, a little bit of ground today in that. But it's really just, a, I hope that we go away from this morning a little bit challenged, a little bit challenged on our understanding of, of what our identity is in Christ. Because I think if you're a new Christian, you'll be finding out what that is. And if you've been a Christian or following Christ for a long time, I think sometimes we can have an identity that gets a bit stale, or we think we, we think we get to this position where we just sort of coast, and, and I believe that God wants to break us out of that and uh, really show us the identity He has for us, that we'd live lives that would fully glorify Him. And I remember a few years back, we, we even did a series on identity at church. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, it was just on COVID, pre-COVID, I think, and and, um, and, and there's so much to discover about your identity and so much to know. And, and I know for some of us, we're still trying to work out who we are, let alone who God says we are. Does anyone wake up in the morning and go, who are you? Like, what, what is going on with you? But, but you might be here this morning and be quite confident in yourself. But my question this morning is, do you really know who you are in Christ? Because I don't think we ever get to that point where we fully know. There's always more of Christ that we don't know. We, we can't explain or fathom the fullness of all that God's got for us. This identity that God's given us, do we understand it that we could actually live it out? And, and why do I ask this question? Well, I'm glad you asked because I know you'll be thinking that because it's important that we know our identity because identity by definition is simply who we are. It's, it's the, the very being of a person, who, who a person is. And identity is formed over our lives. It's shaped over the course of our lives and in the culture that we're exposed to and our experiences and our workplaces and our, our relationships. These all form how we are and who we form ourselves as an identity, the experiences we have. And as we live in a world that is overwhelming us with messages and information telling us how to define ourselves by according to a, like an external set of measures and societal um, value system. But I can't help but wonder what it would look like if we rejected the criteria in acceptance and the value of this world that it places on us, that, that if we would base our lives and our thoughts and our hearts on the identity God, our creator, has given us. Because I spend more time around people now than ever, and it's kind of, I think God's really highlighting that to me in my own life and in the people around me, is that, that we often live lives that are, has a huge difference between what God's Word says and what we're actually seeing in our lives that worked. The way we live versus what God says we should be. Because it's not just from a sin position, like of, of being good and we're not good. It's, it's more about all these provisions He's provided for us through Jesus Christ that we don't pick up and use to empower our lives. Because I think when I look back over the last couple of years, it's we've, we've just got this survival mentality. We're, we're just enough to survive. I don't know about you, but I needed just enough to survive the first lockdown. That's about wrecked me. And then it was just like just enough to survive the next lockdown. And now we're in the season of just this, this COVID hangover almost, it feels like. And now we're, you know, businesses are, you know, businesses are still struggling. Some are doing exceedingly well. Some are still closing up shop. And we've got supply chain issues and interest rates going up. There's this there's, there's constant struggle. We, we never get to the end where it goes, oh, we're back to how it used to be. We're never going back there. We're, we're, we've got this kind of survival mentality, I think, now. We're merely surviving in existing half the time, but God's word says that we're more than conquerors. 
That's what his word says. And, uh, and if we don't understand our identity in Jesus, be under no illusion that you will be willingly or unknowingly be seeking to find your identity in things of the world. And that's where things get a bit loose and disconnected. Because we need, listen here, this is, a, this is really important because this is a really effective way, a really effective tactic that the enemy uses, and that's to cast doubt, to have us cast doubt and create uncertainty and distort the truth of that which God has called on us. He, 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 he confuses what our identity is in Christ, and then if he can confuse us of our identities, if the enemy can rob us of that, he robs us of the authority and power that God has given us to live our lives through. He, he, I, I, I believe that the identity that he sees for us is a, is a life that is thriving, not just surviving. That in every situation we're thriving, uh, a life that would be full of joy, not despair. That would have a life full of contentment, not dissatisfaction. A life full of the presence of God, not a sense of longing and loneliness. And I don't know where you fit on those or whether any of those areas sort of resonate with you on what you feel is missing in your life. But God has a life and identity that he has for you and I. He wants us to live in those, those places. It is, it is commonly accepted that our actions and our reactions and choices find their foundations in our very thinking. The way we react and, and, and respond to situations is from our thoughts, from our thinking. What we think and, and how we think will directly, directly result in how we respond and therefore what we do. As we think, we do. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. The very things that are inside of us, our identity of who we believe we are, is how we act and who we are, and so we are. This is why we need to know what God says about us. This is so important for us to know that, that we'd know your identity, our identity, so that would change our thinking and our being, and therefore change the way we live and how we live. Because when it comes to our identity, Jesus' voice is all that matters. His voice is all that matters. Jesus says in John 10, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you know his voice this morning? Do you know what his voice is over your life? We need to be a people that hear his voice. We need to be a church that hears his voice. Because when it comes to your identity as Christ followers, you need to know that I am who God's word says I am. It's found in his word. I am who God says I am. And when we read, read his word, and I encourage you to, to really study that of who your identity is in Christ, because that's where the power of living in him comes from. The, the Bible talks in so many places about our identity. It says you are made in his image. You're unique. You're sons and daughters. You're called and chosen. You have a purpose to your life. You're his workmanship. You're, a, you're complete in him. You're a new creation in him. You're righteous in him. You're justified in him, sanctified in him. You're made holy in him. There's no condemnation in him. There's so many things we need to understand of who we are in Christ now. It's a completely new life we need to live. And that's where I want to talk about you're more than conquerors because the Bible says that's who we are. We're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors, Romans 8.37 tells us. And that's a pretty bold statement, right? 
you're more than conquerors. But I love that. I love that. And maybe it's a guy thing. Can any guys relate to that? About conquer, you know, command and conquer, those games you used to play on the beach where you got flags on the sand dunes and you just destroy stuff. But I remember, probably not so much now, probably break a knee or something. But um, I remember growing up and I got given this little placard and it said, it said Mason. And you know how you, you and it has a description of your name underneath it. But I don't know how true they are because you go to different websites and it, your name means 15 different things. You just find one that actually you think you like. But this one here, my mum gave me, I think, and years ago, I must have been, I don't know, 12 or 13, but it had Mason, it had Conqueror and some other stuff. But I remember Conqueror, and I just love that. It just resonates with me well that we would overcome, that you'd put your hand to something that would be of hard work, but you'd conquer, you'd overcome it, you'd succeed, you'd win. And I love that thought. But that's what God says in his word, that you and I, are more than a conqueror. We're more than that. But we feel that we need to, that means we succeed in everything. But that's where the real challenge of this passage is, that, that the scripture often, we, we can say that we're more than conquerors, but we don't often feel it. We don't often live lives that represent that. Because we get beaten up by life and, and we just kind of go, what does that mean? And that scripture in isolation to me kind of feels inspirational, but Sometimes if we, if we don't understand what it really means, if we just take that scripture out, we start to go, well, I can believe that, but I don't see that in my life, and I don't see it in the people around me. And we start discounting God's word, and we start to not believe some bits about it. And then it loses the power and authority that it has over our lives. So we need to understand what that is, because there's too many Christians that live in the natural. We miss out of the power that Christ died on the cross for us to have. So Paul writes in Romans, he says, we're, we're not just conquerors. He said, you're more than conquerors. In Romans 31, 37, it says, no, in all these things, you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But we need to look at the whole passage of scripture to kind of understand what that, what that even means. So we go back to verse 31 and it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? What shall we say in response to these things? So prior to that, it had had Paul talking about all these trials and things that would come against us in life, the battles of life, the storms of life that would come. But he, was like, he built this picture, so just in a snapshot, but go and read it. But he was, he was just referring to all these things that will happen to us. But what do we say in response to all these things that would come against us in life? He starts off that, he answers that question with a question, which is always great. If God is for us, he says, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He sets the platform of understanding that this is a letter to the Roman church to say, well, no matter what happens, let's, let's just be on a clear understanding. If God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So he's saying not only is God for us, but Jesus is for us too. He sent his only son, his, his most valued possession of who he was to die for our sins. So he'd die for our sins so we could live his life. And he's also for us. Just bear that in mind. Understand who you are. You're a, a child, you're a, you're a son and daughter of, of God is what he's saying. He's, he's listing out the identity of Christ. He says, who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? We should know that because our, our identity is where we're called and chosen. We're called and chosen people. He has a plan and a purpose for you. It is God who justifies. 
in him, we are justified. Then who then is the one who condemns? Well, we know there's no condemnation in him. In Christ, there is no condemnation. And he responds to that is no one. Because he's, what he's doing is he's, he's, he's elaborating to the church of Rome to say, this is your identity in Christ. You need to grab hold of it. No matter what happens in your life, there is, the, there, there is an identity that you now carry. Who shall separate us from the love of God, he says. Oh, sorry. No one, Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's still doing that now. So not only did he die for us, that he died for our sins on our behalf to pay the debt that we couldn't pay, that he rose again, he conquered sin, he conquered death on our behalf that now we walk in, he's also interceding for us. So he says, shall trouble, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from him? He said, shall trouble, hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, danger, or sword? I like how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Man, the amount of times I practiced that and still got it wrong. Calamity. I don't know why. It's just such a tough word. Or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger or threaten with death. Does that mean he no longer loves us? Paul answers, no. No, in all these things. And that's just a, a, a Hebrewism way of saying, in despite of these things, in all these things, no matter what happens, in spite of all these things, you are more than conquerors, he says, through him who loves us. We are more than conquerors. See, I read this as we gain the victory. We gain the victory that, that is that they have no power to subdue us anymore. No, our situations don't have the power to subdue us. The, the enemy has no power to subdue us, to alienate our love and confidence in Christ Jesus. We are the victors, not they. Not our situations. They don't overcome us. We are the victors. We are more than conquerors. Our faith is not destroyed. Our love is not diminished. Our hope is not lost. And it's not talking about a simple victory here. It's not talking about a continuance of, of what was before. It's talking or a simple triumph. It's saying you are more than conquerors in your life. Knowing this truth there, that you are more than a conqueror ought to boost our faith. It's a different way to live. It should boost our faith. It should increase our strength and expand our love for Christ for what he's done for us. That we're now walking in the very life he's called us to have. From Romans 8.31, the Bible reveals to us that we are more than conquerors before, because my first point this morning is in him, we have overcome sin. In him, we have overcome sin. 1 Corinthians 15.56 says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin by which it brings death is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Romans 5, 12, it says, death spreads all men because all sin. Everyone has sinned. And, and sin is the bringer of death. And the result of sin is not just in the physical, but it's also responsible for the death that separates us from God forever, now and forever. It's that sin actually brings a separation between us and God. And when I think about sin, I, I think about this, you know, having a conversation with my, my youngest daughter, Mila, she's eight, and so she's pretty clever, and she's always outsmarting me. 
but she, we were talking about sin, and she was like, what happens if Eve didn't eat the apple? What if she didn't eat the apple and didn't sin? I said, oh, it probably would have been someone else. And she said, well, what if it was like, what if it was now, like if there was an apple here? And I was like, well, I'd probably, you know, been humble and just saying, you know, I make mistakes. I probably would have eaten it. And she was like, I thought so too, Dad. I thought, yeah, I thought this was like, oh, well, if not me, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It would have been you. I was like, thanks, kiddo. You tricked me into that one. But God declared this thing or this, I'm oh, sorry, Paul declared this thing and saw the source of death to be sin and the power of sin to be the law. By the law, Paul was referring to the, the law of Moses given to Israel, the, God's commandments for his people that they needed to obey, to live, to, to be holy, to be a holy nation, to be in his presence. He gave them a list of conditions and rules that they needed to abide by. But it's not the law that creates sin in people. The, the law and the power of it only reveals that every human being, every person is sinful. Each of us disobey the commands of God. But, but I love how Paul starts in verse 20, uh, 57. He says, but thanks to God. Everyone say, thanks to God. Thanks to God, this is not the end of the story. Our inescapable sin debt that we couldn't pay, that, that meant unavoidable death and eternal separation from God. But thanks be to God who made a way, who gives all victory over death through Jesus Christ. God forgives the sin of all those who trust in Jesus Christ and puts their life in him. We now live out of, God, uh, out of Christ's victory over sin. We've conquered sin because sin has no hold on us through Jesus Christ. In him, we have the power to rid sin in our lives, to resist it, to have it not overcome us. Sin and death no longer have a hold on our lives. We are more than conquerors, his word says, because we have overcome sin through Jesus Christ. So we now can see that we are more than conquerors because in Christ we have overcome sin and death in our lives. Further to this, we are more than conquerors because my second point is in him, we can do all things. In him, we can do all things. And in reference to Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Uh, Philippians 4, 11, he continues on with the same kind of uh, direction, the same sentiment. He says, I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not, easy, uh, not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances. No matter what situation he was going through, no matter the, the good times or the hard times, he was not disturbed or uneasy. That is the peace of God right there. And that's what I think as a people, as, a, as Christians, we need more than ever today, is that the peace of God. That no matter what we're going through, we, we, have a, a, we don't feel uneasy about anything. We're not disturbed by the things around us because we know our identities in Christ. Paul knew his identity was linked to Christ. No matter what happened to him, it was all about Jesus. His life was found in him. It's not us who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Paul knew that. He goes on to say, I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times. And in, in humble times, in, in the scripture, when you read the commentaries, it's, it's talking about basic necessities of food and water. I know when I, when I don't even have the basic necessities, how to be live easy. And I also know how to enjoy abundance and life and prosperity. In any and every situation, circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life. Who wants to know a secret this morning? Secret in plain sight. Let's read it. 
I have learned the secret of facing life, well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. I can do all things which he has called me to do. I can do all things through him who strengthens and empowers me. God doesn't give us a life to live, a, a calling and a purpose, and then not give us the equipment, the tools, the strength, and the authority to do what we need to do. We need to understand that to, to fulfill his purpose, I can do all things. I am sufficient, self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. He is my provider. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who fills me with inner strength and confident peace. That's how I read this scripture. And how can we be more than conquerors? How is all these things possible? Well, it says it in there, through him, through Christ. It is not on our own strength. It's not on our own power. It's not on our own ability, but it's by the might of the Savior and by his power at work in us. We need to grab hold of that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we're more than conquerors because we've overcome sin through him. And now we can do all things through the power that he now gives us in him. The Bible also tells us that we're more than conquerors because, number three, in him we are made strong. In him we are, we are made strong. Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My grace is all you need. My, my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work. See, this was Paul was going through a hard time. Paul was going through something that he couldn't get rid of. And, and Jesus had said to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. And then as a response, so Paul's telling us, so now I am glad to boast of my weaknesses. Knowing that, that in my weakness I am made strong in Christ, I boast of the things I can't do. So the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, he says, and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the Christian paradox, right? This is the, this is the upside down, well, counter counter worldly view is that in weakness we are powerful in weakness we are made strong and you know to, to lead it says we need to serve and to receive we need to give you know this is the kingdom of God but it's just it doesn't make sense in the worldly but when we actually understand how it works in the kingdom of God the power of it is accessed because the second Corinthians 12 says tells us that in our weakness when we're weak in ourselves then we are strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ he gives us what we need. When we see ourselves weak in ourselves, and then we can go out of ourselves. We, we, we don't look for inner strength. We go to Christ who gives us strength. We, Christ who gives us what we need to survive. He gives us the very breath in our lungs to live. Why would he not give you what you need to get you through your situation? So in closing, I, I just want to, Reiterate that we've seen here that we are more than conquerors. From a scripture of Romans 8, 37, it says we are more than conquerors through him. And that's because of so many different things. That he died on the cross for us to enable to have. That through him, he, we have overcome sin in our lives. The grip of sin in our lives no longer clings to us. That in him, we can do all things. Everything that we've been set on this earth to do, whatever situation you're facing at work, with your family, with your loved ones, God's got 
more than enough grace for you. And in him, you are made strong. When we feel inadequate, when we don't have enough to give, God says, I will fill you, I will empower you, I will strengthen you. I once heard that someone say that when we, when we get to the end of ourselves in a situation, when we find our end of ourselves, when we've got nothing left, that's, that's where God starts to work. You know, when we stop trying and just let go and let God. It sounds cliche, but that's exactly what we need to do. But I'm saying that to, to someone this morning, we don't have to get to the end of ourselves. We know where we are. We know who we are, and we know whose we are that we're in Christ, that we can just go straight to him. We don't have to struggle and stress to the end till we have a breakdown before we reach out to God. It's like, now in every situation, he'll empower you. In every situation, he'll make you strong. This is our identity, our God-given identity of how God sees us. He's given us all, our, all we need to live this successful life in him, that we'd live a conquering life in the spirit, that no matter what would come against us, we'd overcome it. And uh, just on a final thought, when we, when we look at Romans 8 and, and what Paul's talking about, he's talking about persecutions, he's talking about, um, and persecutions back in that time were much different than what we, we experience here. We're so lucky in the, in the Western world that persecution might be just a, a negative Facebook message back to something we've said. But there's, there's, there's real people, you know, there's the church around the world now, that is, people are dying for their faith, which is exactly where he was writing. He was writing to a, a, a time in a church that was under heavy persecution, that Christianity was not accepted. Paul knew more than anyone that, you know, what it was like to be beaten and abused, and he was, he was stoned and left for dead. He was run out of most places he went to. He was, he was uh, insulted. He was locked up, and he'd eventually die for his faith as well but he was he was writing in this passage about the martyrs the people that would give their lives up for their faith for their love for God they would they would end up dying for that and he was he was writing that too is that we're more than conquerors we're more than conquerors over death itself because we know where we're going and I'm just thankful that in New Zealand we don't have to go to the stake we're not asking you to do that but this morning I just want to put a, put a question out to you. Is there that, that we would just respond to, to God and say, I lay my life down for you. We, we, we might come from a, a life that we've known God for a long time, but there, we might feel a, what God's word says is different than what I'm seeing in my life. The fruit that I'm seeing in my life is, doesn't, doesn't marry up. And I want to give us a, a, a time this morning to, to respond to that that you'd, 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 you'd want to receive. You want to lay your life down and say, I want more of you, Lord God. I want to believe exactly how your word says that, that we are more than conquerors, that we're called and chosen people, that you do have an identity for me that we, you want to carry and wear and live out in this life. So would you all raise to your feet, stand to your feet this morning. I want to pray for those people. And if you don't know, this Jesus that I've been talking about this morning, I'd like to pray for you afterwards as well. But I just want to, I just want to, while every eyes closed and every head's bowed, I just want this to be a moment of contemplation about where you are, and do you really know your identity in Him? 
do you feel a, a sense for more of his presence, more of his identity worked out through your life? If that's you this morning, you want more of that, you want a, a greater understanding, I believe that God's gonna reveal some things to our hearts this morning. Not to our minds, because we can read and, and not understand, but just it's gonna speak to your heart, it's gonna speak to your spirit this morning. As the spirit dwells up inside of us and, and we get, as we give him space to do what he can only do. Reveal his identity of who you are to the mighty God. So if that's you this this morning, I want you to place your hand on your heart and I want to pray for you. Awesome, I see hands going up all over. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence here right now. I thank you that you formed and created us, that, that we're unique, where there's only one of us. You, you've made us all individually different. Father God, your, your attention to detail in us is just so profound. I thank you for every single life that's represented here and the, the, the lives and the families that they represent. Father God, that, that there's, that, yeah, we just, we just pray for more of your spirit to come and dwell inside of us. Father God, as we, we, I just pray for every single person who's got their hand on their heart, that's just acknowledging you this morning, Lord God, that we come and we lay our lives down for you in your presence, we declare your name above our lives, Father God, your, your ways above our ways. Father God, open up our eyes and our hearts and our souls to who we are in you. Lord God, give us a hunger to understand and know what it is to live a life that was, was destined for us. Lord God, that we're not here to just survive, that we're here to thrive in all that you've called us to do, that as we do that, would produce fruit and fruit that would last, but also the fruit would bring glory to your name. Father, you don't want us to just survive and scrape through. You've given us a spirit of being more than a conqueror. You've given us a spirit to overcome. You've given us a spirit to, to, to make all things possible in you. So we acknowledge you this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in our hearts. Father God, help us not to settle on what we know that we just keep pushing into you. Father, God, uh, allow your spirit to work in and through us. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Stay standing. If, if, uh, if you want prayer for anything, we've got an amazing prayer team over here that will pray for anything. We've seen healings. We've seen miracles happen. And we just, if you need a touch from God this morning, go over here. We'll, we'll pray for you. It's going to be awesome. But before you leave, uh, I just want to pronounce a blessing. If you hold out your hands to receive, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it. I hope you've, hope you've been challenged. I hope you've got something to take hold of and, and run with. And if you don't know who your identity is, Man, you need to study it. It's in His Word. And we can live out the life He's called us to do. So apart from that, grab yourself a coffee. The service is over. Thank you so much for coming. Enjoy the fellowship. Enjoy your week. Be, be blessed.